Hi, friends. And I mostly say friends because I feel like that's about who I'm going to get to listen to this podcast. But you know what? That's okay. I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it. I've already had a lot of fun doing it. I've been writing and researching, and it's just been great. So, this is my new little baby podcast. It's called The Depravity Podcast. So, welcome. I feel weird. I'm in my closet right now because it's quiet. Except for my dog, Dixie, who's here, and she'll probably make some noise, but that's okay. I wasn't going to start recording yet because it's allergy season and I don't sound normal, but I figured since it's spooky season, well, it's almost the end of spooky season now, but also my friend Cam, who is probably hearing this, is about to pop out a baby this weekend. And she needs something to listen to in the hospital so she can listen to my comforting, angelic voice. Hi, Kimberly. So today, we're going to talk about Tyler Hadley. goals for this podcast I feel like is just to make it seem like I'm your friend on your couch next to you in the car whatever just telling you a true crime story that I know we'll just keep it cash you know anyway Tyler Hadley was born December 16 of 1993 which was three days after I was born fun fact his parents names were Blake and Mary Jo And he had this older brother named Ryan. They all lived in Port St. Lucie, Florida, which is a small city of about 200,000 people. And it's like 45 minutes north of North Palm Beach in Florida. His dad worked as a watch engineer at a nuclear power plant for 30 years, which is crazy. And his mom was a really well-liked elementary school teacher. And from what I was reading, it sounds like they were great parents. They loved their kids. They overall had, like, a really happy life, which is awesome. Too bad it was cut short. We'll get to this later. As a kid, Tyler was known to be really loving, especially towards his mom, Mary Jo. He was a total mama's boy. He liked to stay up late when he was a kid to wait for his dad to get home from work, which is super cute. And it reminds me of, like, being a kid and the babysitter's over and you're waiting up late or you're trying to stay up late to uh, wait for your parents to get home anyways yeah that was cute mems his dad and Tyler were close too they played basketball and football together it sounds like quite often and they also had a pool in their backyard which jealous and they hung out there like as a family a lot which is awesome and at school he was a quiet kid but he was also prone to outbursts in class And there's a lot of underlying reasons that that could have been for that we will obviously get to. 
So Tyler had this friend when he was younger. His name was Mark Andrews, right? And when the two of them were younger kids, around like age 10, he recalls a time that Tyler had gotten in a fight with his mom. And Tyler came over and he literally vowed to him then and there, spoiler alert, that he would kill his parents one day. Like, okay, I don't know if that's a normal thing for a 10-year-old to say. I've never heard a 10-year-old say that. But, um, so Mark, the friend, convinced him that he was just angry and everybody gets in fights with their parents, like, whatever. And so they kind of, like, laughed it off and just, like, started playing Xbox or whatever. Then, as Tyler got a little bit older, so, like, preteen, teenage years, he started getting into a bunch of trouble. He was drinking. He was doing drugs. And at the very least, what they're aware of, or they were aware of, um, was he was smoking weed and popping pills. And obviously not so good for the brain development there, you know? Not the best. So he was skipping school. He was hanging out with kids who were getting in trouble with him. Or, like, not even just with him, like, also getting in trouble. Um, in, Ju- in June of 2011, he came home drunk. His parents took away his phone and his car. It sounds like the kind of punishment that my friends and I also would have gotten in high school for doing the same thing. And I'm not going to say I did it, but like I did. And I got in trouble for it. I would lose my car. I would lose my phone. Computer privileges, gone. Whatever. It's pretty normal. And it's not like an extreme punishment by any means. But to um, Tyler, this was the end all be all. He was done. He um, was not happy about this punishment that he received, this perfectly, um, perfectly reasonable punishment that he received. Obviously, he was getting in a lot of trouble, but his parents had, like, literally exhausted all their resources. They tried to get him all the help they could get him. They took him to a psych doctor. The psych doctor, psychiatrist, prescribed antidepressants. They took him to an outpatient mental health program and a substance abuse program. And none of this stuck. Like, nothing was really helping this kid. And he was just a total mess. So, all this happened the summer before Tyler's senior year. So, this was the summer. This was July of 2011. Um, He was telling friends all his friends that he was having a party that weekend and that his parents were going to be out of town and everyone kind of like shook him off because he had never thrown a party so they're like yeah right kid like don't lie to us whatever also on top of that like his friends knew that he had been getting in trouble and his parents had been extra strict with him as of late so like he was they were well aware that like this is not no Okay, so on July 16 of 2011, the day of the party he was planning, Blake and Mary Jo set out to do some Saturday errands. They stopped by a farmer's market and maybe a pharmacy. I read some different things, some different, um, I read some different sources on like where they were that morning, but it doesn't matter. They ran their errands on Saturday like how you do. If you're working on 9 to 5 Monday through Friday or, you know, If you're working Monday through Friday, you're going to use your weekends to get your errands done. Anyways, so they went home. Tyler was there alone. Ryan, his older brother, had moved to North Carolina for college about six weeks before this happened. So obviously he wasn't there. Mary Jo went and spent some time on the computer and Blake 
the dad went to take a nap. Shortly before 5 o'clock, so a few hours later, Tyler took his parents' cell phones. He, like, I don't know what he did with them. I really couldn't find out, but I would assume he was hiding them so neither of them could call for help. What a sicko. So after he grabbed their phones, he went to the garage and he grabbed a 17-inch claw hammer from there, which is literally just like the normal one you'd have in your garage or in your toolkit or whatever. Normal hammer. He took three tabs of ecstasy, which is wild. Then he went to the room where the family computer was, where Mary Jo was sitting on the computer doing whatever it was she was doing that day. And he said later he stood behind her for five minutes. For five minutes. Like, if your lawyers are going to try and argue that you were insane or that this wasn't premeditated, standing there for five minutes isn't going to help. And no one would have known that if he wouldn't have said it, Tyler. So he stood behind her for five minutes apparently thinking about like, should I do this or should I not? Which the answer is no, buddy. Just get out of there. Go do something else. You're on a lot of ecstasy. Go like sit in a field and look around or something. I don't know. Anyway, he then approached her and began to beat her with said hammer in the head. Like a psycho. Blake heard her scream, obviously. So he ran out of the room to come and help her and see what was going on and like stood in front of Tyler and just said why like he just looks looks at him and goes why and I can't imagine like the panic can you imagine walking in I don't want to imagine walking in on that so I'm not going to try but like that's such like a unbelievable thing to be going on he looked at Tyler said why Tyler responded by saying why the f- not And Tyler later said that he kept saying this over and over while he beat his father to death with the hammer. So just like swinging and saying, why the f*** not? All in all, Mary Jo ended up being hit with the hammer a minimum of 36 times and Blake a minimum of 39 times. Yeah. According to the TC Palm, which is a news source I found in Florida, I assume it's like a newspaper, but, um... Yeah, they had a lot of online articles. The associate medical examiner, her name is Linda O'Neill, or was, I don't know, she still is, is quoted to say that Mary Jo was alive during every single blow. In fact, it said that they were both alive through the whole thing. The chief medical examiner's name was Robert Middleman, or is, I don't know, again. Robert Middleman said that Blake's injuries were very painful I'm sure, and consistent with someone fighting for their life. Most all of Mary Jo's injuries were to the back of her head and her back. And then Blake suffered injuries to the back of his head too and his back and had a broken leg and a broken nose. Um, Tyler later says to a psychologist about this, I was detached. This is a quote. I was detached. I went into this sort of psychotic state or trance. After murdering his parents, he laid their bodies next to each other in the master bedroom, both face down. He wedged the hammer between them and went off to clean up the blood. He cleaned up the crime scene for three hours using Clorox wipes 
and a sponge mop. During this quote-unquote cleanup process, he went around the house and gathered things, mostly stuff that was like damaged during the attack, and he took them to his parents' room and just started piling all this stuff on top of them. Don't know why. Who knows? Ecstasy does weird things to your brain. Don't do drugs, kids. These these things included shattered glass, picture frames, the mop, that it, the sponge mop he had used to clean up, books, and a coffee table. So, like, a lot of stuff. After this, he took a shower, and at 8.15 that night, he went on Facebook, and he posted, quote, party at my house, H-M-U. Hit me up. One of his friends commented, and asked, like, whoa, what? Like, what happens if your parents come home? Because, duh. Because it's their house. And he commented back and said, they won't. Trust me. So creepy. Isn't that creepy? Yeah, they won't come home because they're dead in their bedroom, you freaking psycho. Oh, my gosh. So he had had also posted earlier in the day, too, at 1.15, which I assume is when his parents were still out saying party at my crib tonight dot 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 maybe so like maybe i don't know does maybe mean he was still considering not doing it because that would have been the smart way to go buddy i don't know i don't know a few hours later the kids the teenagers involved in this mess were they started showing up at the hadley house right so this boy this I'm going to call him a boy. He was a teenager. This boy was literally inviting tons of people into his home, into his parents' home, where they are dead in the bedroom. I just can't get over it. Like, what kind of... We all did crazy things when we were teenagers, but not this crazy. This is crazy. Again, I just want to apologize for my voice. (coughs) It's not the best, and... It's getting to be fall, which I love fall and everything, but it's also getting very cold and the air is changing and y'all know how allergies work. It's not the best. Anyways, so a few hours after he had posted on Facebook, more and more kids start showing up at the Hadley house. Awesome. A lot of these kids only knew him, like, by sight, like, what he looked like from school, like, because he was really quiet at school, and he really didn't speak to anyone outside of his, like, friend group of straight-up burnouts. Awesome. It said that so many people said that were there that Tyler was clearly high on ecstasy when people were getting there. I don't know if he took more after the murders or not, but, like, if you're going to take three tabs of ecstasy around 5 p.m., It's going to still be in your system at, like, 11 p.m., I think, is when people really started, really started showing up. I don't know. I don't know if he took more. I couldn't find any info, but who knows? As guests arrived, Tyler told them he only had one rule, okay? One rule. No smoking in the house. And he said when people got there that it's because it's my parents' house. You can't smoke in my parents' house. May I remind you one more time that his parents were dead in the room because he killed them with a hammer. You don't need to abide by their rules. In fact, you need to go to prison anyway. At first, there were about 60 people in the house partying, but by midnight, that number swelled to more like 100 people. So, like, 
Project X, baby. Let's go. So these kids trash the house. There were bottles broken in the living room, empty beer cans all around the house in the yard. Cigarettes, of course, the no smoking rule was broken. Because cigarettes were distinguished inside the house on the carpets and the walls. And I saw pictures of that and I'm like, how do you people live at home? Like, do you do that at your home? Why would you do that? Anyway, so there was a beer pong table set up too, which basically always gets messy no matter who you are or where you are. Like, that's just a messy game. One of the kids there was selling pills. Another was selling weed. Um, So yeah, it was just an all out rager. Multiple kids at the party were asking Tyler where his parents were, as you would. Some of them must have noticed their vehicles were still in the driveway, even though Tyler was telling everyone his parents were gone and wouldn't come home. So obviously people are going to ask questions. I don't know. He told different people different answers. Like, he didn't have one consistent answer or excuse he was using for this. He once mentioned that they were in Orlando, told another friend they were in Georgia, and told another one that it was his own house. My parents don't live here. Right. Sure, you have your own house in high school. I don't know. I mean, it, I'm sure it happens. But they, they like, a lot of these friends knew his parents and, like, knew, or, like, at least knew that they were, like, strict with him. They're not going to let him go live off on his own in his own house. That's crazy. Anyway, so this guy named Nathaniel Rich, he's not involved with this story, but he wrote an article for the Rolling Stone, okay, about this, about this whole shebang. He writes that Tyler's friend, Mark Andrews, the one from earlier, who, um, the guy that Tyler had gone over to his house when they were kids and said he was going to kill his parents, right, that guy. So he was leaving the party and Tyler pulled him outside because he wanted to have a talk. So this is how it goes. These are quotes. This is Tyler. Dude, I did some things. I might go to prison. I might go away for life. I don't know, dude. I'm freaking out right now. And then Mark says, what are you talking about? Tyler goes, dude, I know you're not going to believe me. No one will believe me. I freaking killed somebody. And Mark, (laughs) I don't know what kind of reaction this is. I can't imagine like believing a friend if they told me that. But this is what Mark says. He goes, dude, you killing somebody is your own business. Don't be telling me that sort of thing. I don't need to know. Which is just, I don't know. It just kind of cracked me up because it, this none of this is funny. But, like, I I feel like I might react in the same kind of way. Like, what did you do? And then just be like, okay, I got to go. I really got to go. Like, it's way past my curfew. Peace out. So, as another guy, I don't know who, or girl, I, again, I don't know who, left, was leaving the party, Tyler told him that he, oh, it's a guy. Okay. Okay, we're going to rewind. There was another guest leaving the party, and I don't know who it was, but Tyler told him he was going to kill himself. So, obviously, the guy asked why, and Tyler said that he did something really bad and would be in jail for a long time if he got caught. And then he told another friend that he was going to go away for 60 years. And when she asked why, Tyler said she would find out tomorrow. So, doing the same thing again, around 1 o'clock in the morning... Tyler pulled his friend Michael Mandel aside to talk to him. 
they went on a walk, like down to the stop sign, down to the end of the street, whatever. And Tyler just said, straight up, just says, I killed my parents. And then Michael said, yeah, right. And Tyler, Tyler says, Michael, I'm being real. I'm not lying to you. If you look closely enough, you can see signs. He pointed out that his parents' cars were in the driveway and showed him a bloody shoe print in the garage. Michael still either thought he was trying to prank him or maybe he was just trying to convince himself that he was pranking him, that Tyler was pranking him. He told Tyler he wanted to see their bodies because he still didn't believe him. Tyler told him he had to wait for the party to die down and wait until everyone was gone and then he would show him. Michael did not wait and went to see for himself. When he opened the door and immediately saw Blake Hadley's leg, he knew the truth. Tyler was not lying. Tyler told him the whole story of the murders and the aftermath, the cleanup, everything. But he added that after he cleaned up and took a shower, he stared at himself in the mirror and laughed. That is some Joaquin Phoenix Joker stuff if I've ever heard it. That is so creepy to me for some reason. Like, you are not okay, Tyler. You have not been okay. This is not cool. Even though Michael knew that his best friend had killed his own parents in cold blood and let their bodies lie in their bedroom while a party raged on in the house, he stayed at the party for a few more hours, which listening to that for the first time, I was like, why in the world would you do that? But this is a quote that Michael said during an interview with ABC News. If you were in my shoes and that guy was your best friend, you wouldn't want to leave right away. I know how heinous and sick this is, you know, what he did, but you wouldn't have ran away because you're comfortable with this guy. You don't see him as a killer. End quote. Sometime before Michael left, he and Tyler took a selfie together. He says that he knew this was the last time he would ever see Tyler, and that's the reason he did it. It's kind of an infamous selfie, like in the true crime world and stuff. It's, um, I'll post it on Instagram, but it was like, they, they don't look happy. Obviously, they're not smiling or anything. Tyler's holding a red solo cup, and Michael says that Tyler looks really scared in it. Like, he just looks terrified, and he had known him a long time, so I, I guess I'll trust him on that one, but it's just, it's very, the whole thing is very strange. It makes me cringe. A few hours later, Michael left the party, and he called Crime Stoppers, the Crime Stoppers hotline, and he reported everything. That, that Tyler had told him that he had seen, which, like, good on him. So, after the party died down, Tyler was alone, and it was 4.32 in the morning. And the cops came back to the house. I totally forgot to mention that they came at 2.30 in the morning because some noise complaints had been filed by neighbors. And so, uh, this was their second visit to the Hadley home that evening. When they had been there earlier, Tyler shushed everybody and, like, made them hide inside. And he chatted with the police outside. And they left him to it with promises to quiet down. And Tyler was just like, yeah, we'll shut up. And so the cops left him. This time, things were different. One officer that responded to the Hadley house said he looked inside the front window. He saw Tyler pacing in the living room and talking to himself with a, quote, 
disturbed look on his face. That's according to the police report. Finally, they rang the doorbell and they knocked, but Tyler didn't answer. So, guns drawn, they ordered Tyler to come out of the house with his hands up. Um, They got him on the ground and handcuffed him. As he was on the ground, some of the officers went to enter the house where Tyler's parents were still there. He yelled after them, you can't go in there. Obviously, they did anyway. And after walking through the destroyed living room from the party, discovered the scene in the bedroom. What Tyler did was under the category of familicide. I had never heard of familicide. I've heard, obviously, terms like that. But anyway, so there's a subcategory of familicide called parasite, which is the killing of one's parents, specifically. A couple of other cases of parasite would be like Lizzie Borden when she took an axe and gave her, I don't remember how it goes, she gave her something seven wax. I don't, I don't really remember that, but that's Lizzie Borden. And then the Menendez brothers case, which is crazy and I'll cover it sometime because it's fascinating. It was interesting to find out that while most of the people who commit parasite are adults that like live at home and most of them only kill one parent. The majority of adolescents, like Tyler, who commit parasite, kill both parents. So, like, if you're an adult and you're going to kill your parents, it's going to be one. And if you're an adolescent, you're more likely to kill both. Which, obviously, those are just stats and anything can happen. But still, I thought that was interesting that those are the majority cases. Also, most of these crimes in general, under the familicide, all that, most of those crimes end in suicide It was noted multiple times that Tyler had originally planned to commit suicide after the partying was done, but he obviously didn't go through with that. Obviously, he's still alive now. Um, Almost a thousand people attended the funeral of Blake and Mary Jo. So they were obviously loved. And I mean, even if they didn't know a thousand people, if that happened in my city, I'd probably go, right? Wouldn't you? Or at least like pay my respects in some way. Tyler Hadley went to trial in the summer of 2014 when he was 20 years old. Because he was 17 at the time of the crimes, Tyler was not eligible for the death penalty. He started out pleading not guilty. Then less than a month before his trial was set to begin, he ended up changing his plea to no contest. At the conclusion of the trial, he was sentenced to life without parole, which is the second best or second second place to the death penalty. After filing appeals, this conviction was overturned in April of 2016 by an appeals judge. In December of 2018, which was less than two years ago, but feels like it was seven years ago because of how long 2020 has been, he was resentenced. This time he was given life with the possibility of parole. That sentence will be automatically renewed after he's served 25 years, so Tyler will still be in there for a while. Good. Tyler's friend, Michael Mandel. Was the guy in the selfie, the guy he told all the stuff to, the guy who turned him into Crime Stoppers, that guy. So he, um, Tyler wrote him a letter from prison. And this is a quote. I swear to you, Michael, the devil had a hold on me. I talked to him and he talked to me. That's why I seemed so crazy toward the end. I'm not a cold-blooded monster like everyone thinks I am. I'm a caring person that made a horrible mistake. You've got to let people know that. So, like, you'd think that Tyler maybe had a little regret because, you know, the devil had a hold on him. And according to him, that was only temporary. However, it's noted that he showed 
no emotion when he was sentenced to life in prison. And he also told a he also told a fellow inmate who told police when asked why he killed his parents, he simply said they deserved it. Keep in mind he's saying they deserved it for taking away his car and his phone because he got drunk as a 17-year-old. I mean, most of us would have gotten punished for that, right? Right. He also would sign autographs in prison, which is gross, but he would sign them off with, it's hammer time. Don't ruin that song. That's a great, that's an American classic, okay? He was also getting in trouble in prison. A guard once found a homemade weapon on him in the shower area. The chief assistant state attorney, Tom Bacadal, Bacadal, I think is his name, told USA Today he wasn't a model prisoner by any stretch. That doesn't come to any surprise to me that he's obstinate. Obstinate? I think that's the word. Obstinate. That he's not following rules. So he was not shocked by this. That he was being a little prison and not doing, you know. There's a lot of rules in prison. You're in prison. There should be rules. So yeah, it's probably a good thing that Tyler Hadley will be in prison for a long, long time. The Hadley house was demolished in April of 2015, which I hope brought the surviving family members at least a little bit of solace and like helped them with the process of grieving and healing because this is just so crazy. I can't imagine like I saw one interview with his aunt and uncle and they were talking about like they want him in prison and like can like they didn't see this coming when he was a kid but now that you know they they know he he did this he did this they want him locked up for a long long time and so hopefully he stays forever if not for many many years to come so yeah thanks for listening that's tyler hadley i have another episode hopefully coming soon and then i will get to researching some more i'm sorry to all my friends who i told a long time ago i was going to do this and but hey i finally did it i finally did it so i have instagram and i'll post about i'll post about this story the picture i'll post the selfie so you can go look at that creepiness it's at depravity podcast actually let me double check and make sure it's at depravity at depravity podcast on instagram you can go see that selfie thank you for listening i'll see you next time bye